Well, today I would like to talk to, to you a little bit about being a cheerleader. Now, I was never a cheerleader for a football team or for a basketball team or for any team, actually. And so I can't tell you how to do a cartwheel. I can't tell you much about uh, doing, you know, all the flips and the fun, cool things that they do. But I can tell you about how to be a cheerleader in your home and how to be a cheerleader with the people that are in your life. Because you know what? When the football game is over, life goes on. But when you're in your home, that is your everyday life. It's a constant, and what you are putting into your home, you are going to reap the rest of your life. And so today, I just want to kind of build on that idea tonight. And so it goes along with the sermon series that, Jim's been doing abounding in love. And so I just want to kind of do an overview just to remind you what he's been talking about for the last nine weeks. It's an incredible series for relationships. You know, I just encourage you, if your relationships in your life are not what you would like them to be, uh, this is a great series to listen to over and over. And so the first couple sermons, he was talking about how God loves us and then the need for us to love ourselves. It's really hard to love other people if you don't like yourself. You know, you tend to be a little bit critical on other people if you're critical on yourself. So he kind of went through some of those things. And then he talked about what love really is and the fact that sometimes love isn't soft. And it is definitely not something that you just get walked on all the time. Oh, I'm walking in love, so you can just dump on me anything you want. No, because you know what? You're not loving the other person when you let them take advantage of you. And so there's just, love is not this like ooey-gooey feeling. But it is still very powerful. And it is something where you do make people feel good, and you feel good when you're walking in love. From there, he went and talked about how If we don't walk in love, we can open the door to the devil. And each and every one of us has probably done that multiple times. You say something you shouldn't say, and then before you know it, there's a fight. And, you know, those are not fun. And so, yes, we can uh, open the door. And how our word choices can really make or break relationships. He was talking about that as well. And so all of those things are so good for marriages. They're good in the relationships that we have with our uh, children, with our parents, um, with people at work, with people in the church, all sorts of things. You know, we can take these principles and apply them in so many areas of our life. And so uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. This is a scripture, a passage of scripture that I recommend marriages. People, you know, this is a great thing for couples to read together. Why? Because it just is that constant reminder of what our relationship is supposed to look like. When you are married to someone, that relationship is the closest thing on earth that you can have with someone that is like God, his love for you. Your spouse, that relationship is to exemplify, of course, it's still not as perfect as it would be when you're, you know, just with Jesus, because he is perfect. But at the same time, you are supposed to experience the greatest amount of love 
with somebody on earth with that spouse than anyone else. And then our children are probably the next, but especially that spouse. And so let's go through what 1 Corinthians 13, 4, I love the Amplified just because it kind of expands on it a little bit, makes it a little clearer. It's easy when you read the New King James to just kind of gloss over things, but this makes you have to really look at what is love. So first of all, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when truth, a right and truth prevail. Look at this part right here. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. You know, uh, again, that, that idea of the cheerleader, the cheerleader has to cheer even when the team is losing. Have you ever you know, seen the cheerleaders like say, forget it and walk off the field? <laughs> You know, it's like 50 to zero, and they're still out there. Woohoo, go team! <laughs> the crowd is just like, boo. <laughs> but the cheerleader has to still be happy and peppy and all excited about the game, even though everyone else is like, this is awful, you know? <laughs> so, I, I, you know, that is such a good picture of what we are doing with the people in our lives. You know, the longer that you live with a person, the more you get to know them, the more of all the faults and the shortcomings that you see in that person. And you know what? It can begin to get a little bit harder to be the cheerleader of someone that you know really, really well. You know, you can believe the best of some person that you've met for the first time. In fact, that's why people get married. They first meet each other. Wow, you are amazing. <laughs> you are just perfect. Is there anything wrong with you? And then you get married and, you know, they say after about six months, there's the honeymoon's over and you really realize what you married. And it wasn't quite <laughs> what you thought, you know, before. And, uh, and, you know, so nowadays sometimes people are like, okay, we're going to live together for a while just to make sure that we really want this, <laughs> you know, but that's because there have been so many people that are infatuated at the beginning, and then as soon as they really get to know the person, um, they are uh, disgruntled, and like, how in the world did I make that choice? What was I thinking? You know, why didn't you show me this before we got married? <laughs> you know, but God still intended for marriage to be fantastic, for our home to be an oasis. He intended it like that, and it can be done because God didn't set you up for failure. 
He never, you know, you can think, did I, I, I messed it up. I just married the wrong person. That's the reason why this can't work is because I messed up. I just married wrong. I should have thought better. should have thought this through. But you know what? Once you're married, you're married. It's done deal. And you know what? You work through things from that point on. And after you've worked things through, you begin to build a trust and uh, an appreciation. Because you know what? If that person could live that long with you, you know they must like you, okay? Because <laughs> they could have left and they didn't. And that relationship of just knowing that someone is there with you through thick, through thin, no matter what goes on, they have stood by your side that develops this appreciation and no longer are you expecting them to be perfect because you know they know you're not perfect and so the more that you live with someone like I said the flaws can become you know all you see instead of in the beginning when all you saw was like oh you're perfect you know the more if you're not careful you can begin to become critical of that person that you're married to because you know what you want them to be strong in the areas that you're strong in why can't you do this this is so easy well it's easy for you because that's your strength <laughs> it may not be easy for them and so that's the reason why you're married is because the things that are easy for them are not easy for you and so you have these uh things um strengths and weaknesses uh, that are made to uh, balance one another. And so instead of being critical of how this other person doesn't do it the right way, you begin to let them not do it your way because you can do it like that. So let them do it their way because you can't do it like that. So uh, if you look at 1 Peter 5.8, you can turn there. And you see here that it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So what he begins to do, he is looking for opportunities to go and start messing up relationships so whether it's with your spouse whether it's with your children whether it's with your parents whether it's with a co-worker even people in the church you know the devil is looking for people or for opportunities to make you disgruntled and so somebody says something and you begin to question their intent on why did they say that is it because they don't think I can handle this. You know, why are they telling me what to do? Is it because they think I'm stupid? I can't figure it out for myself? You know, you begin to have all these thoughts of like, hey, I, I have a brain. I don't need you to tell me what to do. You know, there's just different things that we can begin to question people's intent when, um, and then you have the devil just right there to help you think the absolute worst in that situation. Yes, this is what they were thinking. And on top of that, it wasn't just that, but they're thinking you are the dumbest person, not just that you're dumb, but you're really, really dumb. And he will just continue to 
make you feel insecure and start pushing your buttons on things because what is he trying to do? He is trying to devour you. He is trying to separate. He is trying to cause confusion, to cause doubt. We just, you know, Pastor Jim was talking about John 10.10. He is a thief. Anything that he can do to mess your life up, he is going to try to mess it up. And so he is always looking for ways, opportunities to mess up life. If you look at Ephesians 6.12, it says in that, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is who we are fighting. We're not fighting our spouse. We're not fighting our children. We're not fighting one another in the workplace. The devil is real, and he is trying his best to go and push and break things up and mess things up. But if we are aware of who our adversary is, if we're aware of what the real situation is that we're fighting against, we may be able to see that it's not that person standing in front of you. It's not that person uh, that you are actually in love with and that you adore and that you appreciate. And it helps you to start to, um, you know, uh, just relax a little bit. You know, not be so on edge. You, maybe not say those comments that are just the first thing that comes to your head because you realize that the devil is trying to cut down that person through you. You know, he, Jim mentioned this last week, the devil will do his best to go and cut that person. He knows what that person's insecurities are. And he is just trying to get somebody to say the exact same thing that would just cut that person to the bone, you know, just really hurt them. Have you ever had a stranger that you don't even know just come up and say something to you and you're like, how did you know that that was like the worst thing that you could say? <laughs> you know, they were in tune <laughs> with the devil that was trying to beat you up and they just yielded. And so, you know, there are situations and things like that that happen. Our words can make or break someone. And so if you're married, you have the power to make or break your spouse. You have the power to uh, make or break your children. You know, they get a little annoying sometimes because maybe they're doing something that, you know, you're already under pressure and then they're doing something and Maybe it's just childish and it's not even that big of a deal, but it's a big deal right there, then and there, because you are under pressure and you snap at them. You know, we're human. Nobody's going to do everything perfect. So don't feel condemned if you're messing up. The best thing that you can do is say, hey, I'm sorry. I messed up. You can say you're sorry to your children. You know, they have heard, our children have heard I'm sorry a lot because you know what? We're human. We don't do everything right. And so there's just times that you have to apologize. You have to apologize to your spouse. You probably have to apologize to your spouse more than anyone else in your life just because you talk to them more. 
And so sometimes you say stuff that's stupid. And sometimes they say stuff that's stupid. And so, you know, we want to give each other the benefit of the doubt when, um, when they do say something stupid. Or when we've said something stupid, we want them to give us the benefit of the doubt too. You know, maybe they just had a rough day at work. Or maybe if they were home with the kids, they had a rough day with the kids. And, you know, they're just a little bit more fragile at that time. And so when they're saying something to you, it's not because they're really upset with you. They're upset about something else that's going on in their life. It's just that you happen to be the person in front of them at that time. And so if we can begin to relax a little bit and allow people to be imperfect, then it allows us to be able to see a situation more clearly and to, to really be able to see that other person um, the way that God sees them. Let's look at um, Revelation 12, 10. While you're turning there, I'm going to just talk a little bit more about how our home can be an oasis. God he, and he is the one that set up relationships to begin with. You know, he is one that likes fellowship. He loves it when we talk to him, when we converse with him, when we sing to him, all those different things. He loves fellowship. And so he created us with that desire. You know, and sometimes people can begin to draw, withdraw from other people because they've been hurt and they don't want to take the chance to get hurt again, and they begin to be um, an oasis to themselves. <laughs> and nobody else is allowed in when that, because they're just tired. Every time that they let someone in, they just get hurt. You know, and God is saying that if we can get his perspective on things, if we can get his way of how he sees people, we are going to get less hurt in and of ourselves when we do things his way, when we give people the benefit of the doubt, when we believe in people, then he can begin to move in our situations, in our relationships. And so our oasis at home should be a place that when somebody, when you go home, that's where you want to be. That's where you feel safe. That's where you feel the most loved. That's where, you know, uh, it's great to go out and have other friends and, and get to do all sorts of other things, but you want to go home because you know that those people will stick with you no matter what. Other people may come and go, but your family is going to stick with you through thick and thin. And so that is another area where the devil will just come in. He will, he will look to divide, um, you know, husband and wife, but then he'll begin to look to divide children from parents, parents from their children. And um, so if we are aware of his devices, we are going to stand guard and be watchful and look for this and say, hey, you know what? Not today. You know, there's that say, not today. <laughs> but not today, Satan. <laughs> I'm not going to allow you to destroy my family today. I am going to go and choose to believe the best about my children. I'm going to believe the best about my um, spouse today. 
You know, another area that's supposed to be a place where, um, okay, let's go look at the Revelation 12, 10 first. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ have come for, uh, for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Right here you see that the devil is, con is considered, he is called the accuser of the brethren. So he is always on your shoulder accusing someone. So if you ever have negative thoughts about someone, you are having help to have those thoughts. Those insecurities that you may be having, you are having help to have those insecurities. And so he's there, he knows what pushes your buttons. He knows what hurts. He knows the areas because you know what? He has been trying to destroy you since the time you were very little. Different things he has seen. So he knows you well, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He is not greater than God. And so he may know certain things, but he is powerless unless we give him that power. And so if we understand that he is the accuser, when we start having thoughts going over and over and over in our mind, accusing someone, we need to be careful and say, hey, who is helping me with these thoughts? It doesn't mean that there isn't a situation that needs to be dealt with because there are things in life that, you know, uh, husband and wife, you balance one another. There's certain things that the wife is better at than the husband, certain things that the husband is better at than the wife. And it's good to listen to one another. It's good to hear things out. It's good to get their perspective on something because you know what? They were given to you as a partner. That's your partner. So you don't have to know everything. Uh, so you have this person. So if you are having accusing thoughts towards your spouse, you are being supernaturally helped to have those thoughts. Because you know what? If you, as a husband or the wife, say something to your spouse, it hurts worse than anyone else. Why? Because you were meant to be locking arms and running at life together. You are meant to be a team. And so somebody that uh, you are meant to be uh, in this thing together, and then they're saying stuff to you, it feels like a betrayal. And so again, that hurt can begin to set in. But at that point, we have to realize they said something that was really stupid, but maybe they didn't actually mean it. And you have to start backing off because you don't want to allow the devil to have place in your marriage. You want to um, be able to take it. Like I said, it's not that you don't work things through, but you talk it out. And so you might even go up to them and say, hey, did you really mean this? Because this is how it came off to me. When you said that, it made me think that you just thought I was incompetent. Is that what you meant? Do you really think I'm incompetent? Now, if they say yes, you may, they may just be upset at that time because other words were said. <laughs> yes, I do think you're incompetent. They, you know, 
just know that emotions may still be high at that moment. <laughs> and you have, well, why do you think I'm incompetent? You know, talk it through, communicate. Because the worst thing you can do is let it keep going. Let it festering. You know, it, it may be that the, you know, that it is good to just let emotions simmer for a little bit. Let it, let things die down a little bit and then have the communication. But at the same time, if you let it simmer for a week, that's really not doing any good because you know what's happening? The accuser is there helping you accuse them of everything that could possibly be wrong with them. And he knows all their weaknesses. So he's going to keep telling you, yeah, that, that person is a really bad person. You're right. You have a right to be mad. I, has anyone ever had those thoughts? You have a right to be mad. <laughs> you know. So they have a right to be mad too because <laughs> you're not perfect. So it kind of goes both ways. And so if you look at people as, you know what, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, we have to work this through. We have to figure this out. And then um, if you are uh, beginning to give them the benefit of the doubt, you know what? You could take it a step further and begin to look for the good. There was something good about that person that made you marry him. <laughs> you know, there was something that you liked. So sometimes you may have to go back and remember, why did I marry this person? What was it about? <laughs> there was something that I liked. What was it? And start looking for the good. You don't have to be cheesy about it you know, and just say stuff that you don't really mean. I'm not saying make up something and say, oh, you're just so awesome. And really on the inside, you're like, ah, can't stand to be around you. But if you begin to look, like, you know, a lot of times people will do something nice for you. Your spouse may do something for, nice for you, and you just take it for granted and don't even say thank you. You know, there's times where if they offer to do something and you're ticked at them, and you're like, no, I don't want your help. Or you can just say, <laughs> sure, yes, you can do that for me. You're humbling yourself because right at that moment, you're like, I'll show you. I can do this myself. I don't need anybody. <laughs> That's how your emotions feel at the time. But you, you know, if you offer to do something, or if that person has offered to do something for you, allow them and then thank them. Thank them for it. Say, you know what, I appreciate that you did that for me. Most of the time, what happens is the other person is trying to find ways to bless you. It's just that you may not always see it. You're not looking for it because that's not how you would go about to bless them. And so here they're trying to be really nice to you and you're rejecting them. Well, that hurts. You know, like you don't like flowers and they bring you flowers. You know, at that point, you're like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> you did something nice. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you for the flowers. Now, some other time you could say, you know what? I'm 
not really much of a flower person. I'm a chocolate person. <laughs> you know, you can, like when you're not mad at each other, at that point, you know, you can maybe give some of the suggestions. That's what comes over time that you do those kind of things. But at that point, you're just like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> it's a peace offering. Let's work this out. Let's talk it through. Let's, you know. Um, but God, he always believes the best about us. And so when we're in a relationship situation where it's not fun and, you know, the emotions are high, it's like when you're at the football game and you're losing 50 to zero. The cheerleaders cannot just pack it up and go into the, you know, back room and just sit there. Their job is to cheer no matter what. And so you are looking for opportunities to start speaking into your spouse, into anyone that's in, anyone that God has in your life. You're looking for opportunities to be a blessing to them. Because you know what? When someone is in an atmosphere where they feel like they're believed in, they just feel like they can do anything. I can remember when I was in the RSB, the Raymond Singers and Band, and we used to travel around and sing, and there was this former RSB uh, singer, um, and he would come in uh, when he, if he was in town, and he would sit down at the piano and just start playing, and he could sing gospel, like he just had this voice that was like he could say hi and it fills up the whole room. I mean, he was just phenomenal. <laughs> he was just fantastic singer, and when he sang. Oh my goodness, I, it just made you sing the absolute bit. I mean, things would come out of me that I was like, wow, that was really cool. <laughs> you know, that doesn't normally come out, but man, he just knew how to pull that out. You felt so safe around him. Like, not in a weird way, but I'm just saying, he just, he brought out the best of you musically. And you know, I have been around other people that bring out the worst of you musically. You know, they're the kind that they're just waiting for you to mess up. And then they're going to point it out. <laughs> and you're just like, I can't do this. <laughs> All right, I understand. And you're like shaking. And of course, you sing the absolute worst. Have you ever gone to a comp? Well, you may not have. I've gone to a competition and you're there and you know they're looking for everything that you do wrong because that's their job. They're trying to find the best person and they're gonna give them the top rating. And so you're going along and you're nervous. Why? Because somebody's there to judge you and to judge what you're doing wrong. And you know, they're supposed to say nice things too, I guess, but you focus in on the things that they said wrong. <laughs> you know? And when you're in that kind of at an atmosphere, you never sing as well as when you're in with this guy named Floyd that just pulls out all the good in you. And you're just like, wow, you are so fun. Who do I rather be around? I'd rather be around the person that makes me do my best than the person who scares me, <laughs> than the person that makes me really, really nervous. And so we have this opportunity to make our home that environment where 
the people in our home feel loved, feel accepted, feel like they can be the best that is po they possibly can be. That is what God intended our homes to look like. That's what God wants for us. And once you start looking for the good in someone, God is now the voice that you're listening to instead of the accuser. And you, he will help you see that person the way that he sees them. He will help you see that potential that's in them. He will help you draw that potential out of your spouse, draw that potential out of your children, draw the potential out of your coworkers, draw the potential out of your pastor. Have you ever seen that, you know, the, the church is supposed to be this place that you run and you get built up and it's like getting your battery charged and then you run out and affect the world. And yet, how many times is the devil on people's shoulder and the pastor is the target? You know, they're just like, he, he's got, you know, a string hanging down from <laughs> anything to do to try to get you distracted from hearing the truth of God's word. He will do that if you allow him to. He will do that in relationships with people in the church. Why did they say that? Why didn't they say hi? Why didn't they smile? Why didn't they? He will just, you know, here we're supposed to be excited to go to church. The early church, they ran to their company. In Acts 4, they ran. They, they got together. They spent time together. And today we find people running away. <laughs> you know, they're like, they're scared to go to church. They think that, you know, somebody's going to beat them over the head because they didn't do everything right. God intended for the church to be an oasis, for the church to be a battery charger for you. And so all these different things in our lives that God intended for it to be a place of love, acceptance, uh, encouragement, and the devil is trying to mess it up. How many homes have been messed up? How many churches have been messed up? There's so much of that out there because the very thing that we need is the thing that the devil is trying to destroy. And don't be unaware that that's what he's trying to do. He is trying to separate. He's trying to divide. You can look at our nation and see that this is definitely a nation of division right now. You know, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to cut you off. And then somebody else, well, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to cut you off. Well, I'm not going to buy your product, and you're not going to buy my product. And, you know, I can't be your friend if you don't see things the way I see things. Who is the author of that? That is not God. That's not how God does things. He is a promoter. He is a cheerleader. <laughs> He's believing the best of you. He's trying to draw out he put those gifts in you to begin with, and he's trying to draw that out of you because he knows what he wants to do through you, what he, why he made you really smart in this way, why he made you so personable, you know? And so if we begin to realize when we're looking at people, hey, there was a reason God made them. There is something about them that he likes. And we begin to 
put those kind of glasses on when you're looking around. Okay, you know, you don't look at life the way I look at life. But you know what? Jesus loves you. <laughs> Jesus cares about you. And so we begin to, you know, you go to the grocery store and you're just, you have compassion for them rather than, you know, you hear overhear something that they say that you disagree with and, you know, whatever. You, there's just so many ways that the devil would love to divide us and keep us separated. But if we are aware of his devices, of the tools, of the way that he does things, we can combat it. We can go into life looking at, you know, I am looking for opportunities to bless my spouse, to bless my children, to bless my coworkers, to bless my church family. Instead of it as, you know what, I'm, I'm on guard. I'm going to try to put a wall up so that nobody can hurt me. No, you know what, I know who I am in Christ. He loves me. He likes me. I'm not in competition with anyone else. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It doesn't matter how successful anyone else is because God had a purpose for my life and I'm not in competition. And if you get that confidence on the inside of you, you are now able to love and pull out the best in people that are with you and in your life. And you are not expecting to receive that in return. And that's hard. That's hard for us. Because you know what? We think if I'm nice to you, you know, it's polite for you to be nice back. <laughs> but sometimes people aren't nice back. And they have that choice. And they will reap the consequences of it. Don't worry. It's not, you don't have to help them reap it right then and there. <laughs> There's plenty of other people that will help them reap that consequence. <laughs> But you are walking in love because you are loved. And you are able to enjoy life to its fullest because he loves you. And as you love people, it may not be every single person that loves you back, but you will find it reciprocated. You know, if you are always encouraging other people, there will be plenty of others that will begin to encourage you. If you're always critical, there will be plenty of people that will be critical. <laughs> it's just kind of the way it works. So we want to be the ones that are the cheerleader. You look at someone, you say, hey, I want to be a blessing to you. I want to pull out the gifts that God has put inside of you. And love absolutely never fails. It never fails at all. If you are operating in God's love, you are going to succeed because he is love and he never fails.